Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Morning, everybody. Well, today we're going to wrap up this series called Right on the Money, and we, we've been talking about really a spectrum of money, and, and how do I move from struggling in my finances to a place where I'm stable, where I get a plan, and then from there, not just staying stable only, but really becoming a person who's surrendered in finances, and then even beyond that, to become a person who's sacrificial in their finances. And there is a spectrum, and, and honestly, you can sort of move backwards in this spectrum, depending on the choices you make, and so... Now, most of us have some level of generosity, whether it's you give to people, maybe it's you give to people in your family, or you give to grandkids, or you maybe give to causes, or you help people in need. And most people would say it actually feels good to give. Do you agree with that? It feels good to give? You've heard that it's better to, you know, give than to receive. You know, is it really true for you? Would you agree with that statement? Uh, there's actually been numerous studies on giving and the impact of your health and, and even your brain. There's an article, 2015 article, by U.S. News and World Report that actually stated that there's a feel-good effect after giving that begins in the brain. It's, it's referred to as the giver's glow. <laughs> the giver's glow. Have you ever had the giver's glow? Where you've given, you've been really generous, and then it just felt really good. Well, the study actually says that Apparently, philanthropy doles out different, several different happiness chemicals in the brain. And so there's this sort of reinforcement. Now, that's not a shocker. God actually created you to give. He himself, the God who made you, he is the giver. He is so generous with us, and he made us to be generous. And whenever we give, our, our overall life, our health even, this, there's studies about your health. And you can see, you, you can Google things like, how does giving impact my health? And you'll find studies Scientific studies talking about lower blood pressure and, and improved health tied to generosity, people who are generous. But the fact is, and the scripture would teach this, that, that generous people experience lasting joy in life. And this is really what we're going to be wrapping the series up with today is, how, why be generous? We've looked at every other aspect of finances like saving, investing for the future, paying off debt. Understanding that we're stewarding or we're managing resources, understanding that our heart is very much tied to every investment of all of our dollars. Our heart moves along with our treasure, Jesus said. But generous people experience lasting joy in life. Look at Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. We'll, we'll jump off from this passage. It reads, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So Paul, he's, he's the author of this letter to a church in Corinth, that's ancient Greece. He's part encourager, part coach, part teacher, but in this letter specifically, he's wanting to help new Christians in this in this town, Corinth, to get a clear understanding of how generosity works and some some warnings even about motivations tied to giving. And so there was a, there was specifically there was a 
there were believers, there were Christians who were starving in Jerusalem. And he is coming to receive, he's making churches around, uh, <clears throat> around, you know, throughout Turkey, throughout Greece, uh, closer to Jerusalem. He's making churches aware of a need in Jerusalem where Christians are starving and there's an opportunity to help the family, the family of God. Sort of be like if you received a letter that someone in your family was, was sick and in need and someone was rallying the family to help out. That's sort of what happens. That's sort of what, what is happening. But notice some of the things he emphasizes. Look at verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He's talking about if you, if you help in this way, if you sow, if you give sparingly, like a little bit, you'll also reap sparingly. You'll get back a little bit. Sowing and reaping. Giving and experiencing a, a response. Reaping. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The more generous you are, Paul says, in life in general, but he's talking, well, that is true in general, but he's talking specifically about a need in Jerusalem. For those who, who give with a little bit, there's, you know, the more generous you are, the more you receive back. This is not like a, a formula, like you just push the buttons to get in your life, but he's saying this, this is sort of how God's economy works. He sees what we have, he, he, he sees what we give, and we reap from what we sow. And in verse 7, Paul shifts and he makes a shift to the attitude of the heart. And again, his context is really this special giving opportunity, this crisis in Jerusalem. And he says, look, each man should give what he's decided is in his heart to give. Some people wanted to help out from the heart. Man, I, they hear about people that are, that are starving, their brothers and sisters in the faith, and they see an opportunity. And from their heart, they just really want to give. And he's saying, look, if it's from the heart, give it. Don't give it reluctantly, though. Don't give it under compulsion. Don't give it because you feel squeezed and manipulated and under pressure, but give it cheerfully, for God loves a cheerful giver. I love the emphasis here. Make a decision to give. If God's prompted you to give, make the decision, then don't waffle. Don't be wishy-washy. Make a decision to give and then do it. And when you give, you know, watch the attitude. Do so cheerfully. The Greek here is the, the word hilarious. You can kind of hear the word hilarious, cheerful. The Greek is hilarious. You can hear that word, and it's sort of cheerful joy without grudging. Sort of is like, I'm so thrilled about the opportunity to give to this. I can't believe I'm doing this even. This is crazy, but I'm so excited to be able to participate in this, to sacrifice in this way, to help. God loves a cheerful giver. When you're cheerful... Or when you're not cheerful, you end up doing what? You give out of pressure. You give out of guilt. It robs you of the joy of giving. And so you end up feeling resentful. If you give for the wrong motive, you're disappointed later. You're expecting something different later. You're, it's, it ends up not being a good thing. So it robs you of the joy. And so Paul says, look, keep asking God to help you arrive at the right attitude. Watch the attitude. And then verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He'll give you the grace that you need to be generous. Whenever you extend yourself to give, God interacts with you and he supplies what you need. And he describes it here in an abundance. Now, generous people experience this lasting joy in life. We looked a few weeks ago at this 
at this pie, sort of a breakdown of, of how I handle resources, how you handle resources. Uh, you're, you're managing 100% of whatever's coming in through your income, through your paycheck, whatever's been entrusted to you. You've got to manage 100% of that. And so we talked about how a, a wise strategy is this 70-10-10-10 stewardship. It's to live off of, and one of the keys to financial freedom is to learn to live off of 70% of what you earn. That's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge to live off of 70% of what you earn. And then going back to the pie, it shows give 10%, save 10%. And then if you're, if you can invest 10%, invest that. If you're in debt, then you'd swap out invest and, and put 10% towards your debt. And I encourage you, if you're a teen or if you're a college student or if you're just getting your family started, these are areas where you want to really uh, establish this pattern early on. If you wait and you think, oh, I'll wait until I'm deep into my career and, and making a lot of money, and then I'm going to get into this stewardship idea of having money go different places, uh, you'll, it'll be really hard for you to do that. So start where you're at. Start at the level of income you have received right now. If you're a college student, start where you're at. If you're a teen, start with what has been entrusted to you for you to manage. Now, let, let's think more about this 10% of give. I want to really break down this piece of the pie, the give 10% piece of the pie. That amount may really frighten you. Uh, the median family income in California is $82,000. $82,000 for a median family income. So then giving 10% of, of your income would be giving 10, or giving $8,200 a month. No. A year. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just sounded like a, never mind. <laughs> well, clearly I'm not a math teacher, okay? <laughs> Giving eight thousand two hundred in a year, which is six hundred and eighty-three dollars a month. Okay, you might be thinking, "That's that's a lot of money." How could I give six hundred and eighty-three dollars a month? Think of what you could buy with six hundred eighty-three dollars a month. That's a lot. I mean, you could buy a lot. So maybe you're thinking, "How do I get there?" So I want to look at that. What does generosity towards the church look like? What are some different patterns and practices that we could describe and we see? And so the starting point really is just to define some terms. But even before we can define some terms, if generosity towards the church is not at all on your radar, it just means that there's nothing in the pie yet towards generosity. There's nothing at all carved out. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just means right now giving is not a practice in your life. But giving in the church often begins with this. It's a sporadic giver. It's really probably a starting point for most people. To become a sporadic giver. This is often the, the starting point. If you've come to know Jesus personally, if he's rescued you, forgiven you, then you might be motivated to just to give by saying, God, this is me saying thanks to you. I'm purely saying thanks. I'm giving back to you. You have rescued me. Thank you, Lord. I'm giving back to you. Maybe you've also experienced growth as a part of the church, and so you'd say, this value of church has gone up. I've seen the benefit to my life. I've been growing. And so it's my way of saying thank you, Lord, for my church. I'm going to support the church that has helped me grow. And so once in a while, a sporadic giver, if finances are available, a sporadic giver will give 
to God. They'll, the baskets come by and, and, or you go online and say, you know what, I want to, I want to be generous and give. I want to try this out. But if bills are high and debt is really high, then it's likely that this practice is very sporadic. And maybe the thought is, I'm just not able to give because of my situation. And, and so, but I, I try here and there. So that's a sporadic giver. This is how I began in generosity. I was a, I was a college student. I was making $62.50 my sophomore year in college as a resident assistant in the dorms for two weeks. $62.50. So then $625, you know, would have belonged to God, but I couldn't even, you know, commit to that because gas in my truck and Del Taco, it, it went high costs of living and so, but occasionally, if if I if my pastor preached a really good message, and I had some available resources in my wallet, then I I would give sporadically. It was hard to do, but it honestly it felt good to be generous. It felt good to to give. Um, really, wasn't until marriage that that and my wife had been raised in a family where she was trained to give far more regularly in a specific way. And so that became a conversation point because we weren't on the same page in that regard. And so we got to have a, a fun conversation our first few months of marriage about giving. But sporadic giver, that's, that's where we start out usually is there. And then next we have a regular giver. At this point, a regular giver is a person who there's giving is always in the pie. It's somewhere in the pie. It's, it's a certain amount goes out. It's always a part of your plan. Here's what Jesus actually said about giving in general. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the picture here is if you give a teaspoonful to God, then he gives back a spoonful. If you bring a shovel to God, then he, he gives back a shovel. If you bring a truckload to God, then he gives back a truckload. What Jesus is saying, give and it will be given to you. In the same measure. Huh. Really? Here, here at OCC, we, we've been in church for about 12 years. When we first began weekly service, it was February the 10th, 2008. And we were struggling to just keep operating as a church financially. What made the major shift for us was a bunch of people went from being sporadic in their giving to being regular in their giving. Once people became regular in their giving and said, hey, we want to, to make this a regular part of our plan, we were able to budget, we were able to hire some staff, we were able to do more ministry, and it was a huge shift and turning point in, in our church. So for, for us, here and now, I mean, what we do every quarter is we send every giver a quarterly giving statement. So if you've given a gift this year to OCC and you identified it in some way, whether the envelope or online, then you should have received in your actual physical mailbox a giving statement tracking all of the gifts that the church has received. And it's our way of, of helping you in develop this uh, pattern of generosity and keeping yourself growing and accountable. So you can just sort of see how, how has that pattern looked in your life. You can sort of track your growth. And I think that giving statement for some people helps move people from sporadic giving to regular giving. But there's also another type of giving in the church, and it's proportional giving. This is where a person moves from a set amount. Maybe you'd start with 
a regular gift of a flat amount, and then you shift to becoming a proportional giver. So proportion, a percentage of a person's income. So you see this proportional giving in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. You see it in other places, but here's an example. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. It's proportional. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Proportional giving honors God as he provides for you. As you receive raises, as you receive bonuses, as your income fluctuates, it honors God to be generous with a percentage of your income. And so you set this percentage and then you, 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 you go with that percentage. If, if something unexpected comes in your life and you've been giving proportionally, then, then that same percentage goes back to God. It's the way you honor God. Now, proportional giving can scare people. Because I think most of us would like to have everything in our life in fixed amounts. <laughs> Don't you like a fixed mortgage or a fixed utility bill or a fixed uh, amount for, for your bills? I mean, most of us do. We want that. Because it sort of gives us the sense that we're in control and we can, we can predict what's going to happen in the month. But proportional givers interact with God more in accordance with the, just they go with the ebbs and flows of how money comes into our life. And it just proportionally is given to God. Really, that leads us to another type of generosity, which is the Bible describes as a tither. From a proportional giver to a, a proportion, a percentage known as the tithe. The tithe is the tenth, so you can jot down, that's what that word means. The tithe is the tenth. It means the tenth part, ten percent. Literally, it's ten percent of the pie, ten percent of our income that goes back to God. And God actually says it belongs to him, not ours. He actually says the first tenth belongs to him. Look at Leviticus 27, verse 30. A tithe of everything from the Lord, a tenth of everything from the Lord, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. So a tenth of everything that is produced is to be set apart and is holy to God. It belongs to God. And when a person becomes a tither, this moves a person from from that place of stability. You know, you go from struggling to stable and then stable to surrendered. It really is a significant point of surrender to say, I'm going to yield a tenth of my income to God. I'm going to give it back to him. Huge step of faith, huge step of obedience and surrender. And the tithe is the biblical standard of faith level giving. It's, there's actually a threshold at this level and above. And God makes promises at this level and above. There's promises of provision and protection and blessing um, that, are, that are not given um, below that. And here's an example of that. You look at Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 and 9. God charged, he, he, he was basically uh, correcting his people because they were, they were robbing God and keeping the first tenth for themselves. They weren't living surrendered lives and, and God had brought consequences. He started bringing consequences to this group of people. So look at Malachi. This is about 450 years before Jesus came. The prophet Malachi, God spoke through him and said to the people, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how, how do we rob you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. And so God makes this promise then to the group. And here's the promise. Bring the whole tithe, the whole tenth, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, 
says the Lord Almighty. And see if I'll not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. So basically, the, the temple operations were halted. There was not enough food in God's house because people were holding back what belonged to God. And so God brought a curse upon the nation. Problems started cropping up amongst God's people. And God's promise is to open up the floodgates and, and to return his blessing and hand of blessing and pour out was tied to the way they were holding back and robbing God of what was his. And he's basically saying, do you want me to remove the curse? Then get things right. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, that doesn't sound like God, does it? To, to curse us for, or to curse his people for, for holding back finances from him? That doesn't sound like God, does it? I mean, well, here's the thing. These aren't just anybody. These are, the, you know, these are, these are families of the tribes of Israel who had seen God work in their history and, and their whole story of what God had done to rescue them from bondage in Egypt and take them out of slavery, out of captivity, and give them a land that was flowing with milk and honey, a rich land called the Promised Land. God did this mighty act of, of delivering his people and miracle after miracle after miracle, God performed one of them. I mean, he delivers them from the hand of Pharaoh, and they get to the Red Sea, and they're like, all right, where do we go? God provides a way for them to walk through the, the Red Sea, to walk on dry land. He does this miracle. He parts the Red Sea. If you've, if you've read the story, Moses is involved in that, and, and it's either turn around and go back to captivity or be captured by Pharaoh's armies or trust God. And they, in faith, God leads them forward. And they saw God part the waters. They see this miracle. That's a major part of their history. Later, they're provided for in the, in the wilderness. When it would seem like they were going to starve, God was supplying for their needs every day. And they get to the promised land, and God gives them victory after victory after victory of the promised land and allows them to take possession of, of the land. And he starts allotting land portions for each of the tribes of the families of Israel. These are the people that this passage is written to. These are the people that have all the history of God working in their lives. And they can say, thank you, God, for all that you've done. But they get to this point and they forget about God. They, they fail to honor God with their finances. And so God put a curse on their progress. Their crops weren't producing. It was like, uh, something was devouring their crops, and so they were making no progress. Well, in our lives, sometimes that happens as well. Sometimes, now, most things break down in life, don't they? What is it, the law of, I don't know what it is. I'm not a mathematician or a scientist, but things break down in life. Entropy? Thank you. Sometimes when things break down in my life, I just say, well, that thing broke down. Like my water heater, it broke down recently. I saw a puddle of water under my water heater, and things break down. But when I see all sorts of things breaking down in my life, what I tend to do, what my wife and I, what my wife and I will do is we go look at our checkbook and we see, have we been faithful to God with our tithe? Is there anything we've missed? Has there, has, has, have we left God out, God out of our plan at all? And it's important to do that. It's important to check that, that we have been honoring God with all of what he's provided. 
And maybe at one point in your life, you were a tither, which you were giving a tenth, but maybe it, it got fearful or it got tight or the debt was squeezing and you thought, you know what, I can't do that. And so I would I encourage you to check this area out. Check this area out. If you've been a regular giver, but you've never grown towards becoming a tither, maybe you're a proportional giver, but you've never become a tither, a tenth, giving a tenth. Take this challenge from God. See if he won't keep this promise. This is the only place in the Bible where God invites us to test him. Look at the verse. Bring the whole tithe, the whole tenth into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. There's a test. It's a challenge in a sense. Says who? Well, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. We actually have a story to sort of give you a a real living picture of this. Uh, This is uh, Danny Mello. Danny's a part of our church. I've asked him to share a little bit about the journey of growing um, towards the tithe and what that has looked like. Um, Danny became a Christian about nine years ago here at OCC. Uh, uh, one of the families in our church moved in right next door to the Mellows and and got to know him, uh, helped him come to Christ, and then pretty soon after that, his wife came to Christ. Um, his kids, a couple of his kids, have come to Christ, and and so and family members have come to Christ through through Danny's family. But he wasn't formally part of a church; wasn't raised in a church. He was the first Christian in his family, and so this idea of Becoming a tither, like giving any percentage to God, is, I mean, that probably sounds crazy. And so, so I asked Danny to share about what does this journey look like of becoming a Christian and then growing into tithing. Yeah, thanks, Josh. So it was, like he said, about nine years ago, I became a Christian, and uh, I was really sitting down with one of our church leaders, just wanted to uh, understand the hard attitudes, and we talked about hard attitude number six, support the work financially. Let me, and and hard attitudes, just so, so you know what that is, is, these are practices that our, that our members make. And so one of them, like the new members, they walk through our membership class. One of those practices, hard attitude number six, is to support the work financially, support the church financially. So, so I was kind of asking, you know, tithing. I mean, what does that mean? What, what does that look like? And he says, well, you give a tenth. I mean, tenth, you mean 10%. And he says, yeah, 10%. And I said, okay, that's a lot. Um, so, <laughs> so it was a little bit to soak in. Um, but, you know, he shared Malachi 3.10. And uh, what was life like for you at that yeah, point? Like I mean, financially? Yeah, and I mean, I just started a, a job. I'm actually still the same job and uh, I'm in sales as account executive. So that's kind of the starting level with any sales job and young family out of college, maybe five years. So, you know, you imagine debts there just trying to scrape by at that point. So really just giving somewhere else. We have all this other stuff, just trying to take care of your family. My wife's stay at home mom was, um, was at that time. So it was it was hard to soak in. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he just said the verse, Malachi 3.10, test me in this, and said, okay, I'll test you, I'll test you God, and maybe not 10%, but I'll test you a little. <laughs> just so, so I did about 3 5%. I mean, it wasn't much, but, again, I was just testing him at that point. And uh, as, you know, years going by at my job, uh, things were going well. I got a promotion, so promotion means more income. And so I kind of look back at my tithing and says, oh, I started that a few years ago. Now I'm starting more income. Let's. Let's do a little more, not 10%, but I'll give you more. Let's continue to test, you know, 8% or so. Started to do that, consistent giving, regular giver, proportional, not the full, but it was getting there. And then uh, just continue to get blessed, got another promotion. 
and uh, again, income goes up. And so I'm just looking at that, and I can't remember. Maybe I was all in at that point, but at that point, I was. this is real. God is blessing me and my family, so I just went all in at that point. Been like that a few years now, and it's just been great. I mean, just blessed by God. Um, just uh, and now at this point, it's like I'm scared. Uh, you know, fear the Lord, right? You know, the floodgates are open. I don't want him to close it. So now I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, you know, stop tithing at this point. So that's kind of where I'm at there. Um, you were mentioning uh, that, like with the the building opportunity, uh, you you were sharing with Bruce somewhat about the wrestling there and and how you you even tracked like progress you've seen in your job yeah yeah it's weird i mean bruce's message last week talking about opportunities right either you have an opportunity extra income and uh what do you do right you pay off debt or do you take advantage of the opportunity in my work i've been there for 12 years now and we had this amazing quarter in sales it's actually our biggest quarter we had um 12 years i've been there <laughs> and uh just looking at that looking back and this opportunity we have and I've uh, been kind of going beyond the tie of the building opportunity as well for probably a year from that. And now God's blessed me even more. And look at the timing of this when, you know, I get paid, I guess, on this this great quarter we had. And, you know, I'm getting these, you know, November, December, I'm going to get paid out pretty well on this. I'm looking back at that, and it's weird. You know, my I'll get paid on December 13th and close it December 15th. So it's like, okay. Hmm. You know, I was thinking, okay, it'll pay off debt. But, you know, that'll be there. That'll always be, I mean... Eventually, want to get rid of it, obviously, but I could take care of that. But why not buy up the opportunity now when I could fulfill his kingdom, go on the mission that's going to be longer lasting than just paying off this short-term little thing that's there that I could take care of. So that was, that was just eye-opening for me, and I think I'm being tested, too, at this point. So, How, how do you stay, like the scripture says, God loves a cheerful giver. And how do you not get... How do you not give for the wrong motivation? I think that's a real, that's a question that I think gets asked. Yeah, your uh, message a couple weeks ago, we had the dollar bills on the keyboard here, just kind of going through that. I mean, that was uh, something that works really well with me. Um, just do it right in the beginning. Carve it into your budget. Maybe sit down. Maybe if you're not doing it now, if you're, you know, maybe you're just a, a sporadic giver. Try to make yourself a regular giver. And how I did that, just sit down, look at my finances, see what, you know, my mortgage, my car payment, you know, credit cards, whatever, whatever you have to pay, carve in that amount for God because he will bless you. Just make it a regular habit and uh, do it right in the beginning. Don't do it later on because eventually, you know, you start going to eat, going to movies, you buy, you know, these uh, nice lavish coffees for $5, you know, whatever it might be. <laughs> eventually, once you get later on, that, that money's going to eventually be gone. That's 70%, right, that you're living on. So um, I just learned just uh, get it right. In the budget right away and uh just when you give it to god just say thank you god blessing my family and it's just it's feels very good so cool. thanks for sharing Dan. Yeah, thanks um there, there's a we don't have really time to get into it but first chronicles 29 the king of israel david makes this statement it's not on the screen but i want to read it to you when 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 god's people give generously here's what the king said, Who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in, in your sight, as we are all as were all of our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O oh Lord our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your name, 
It comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. What you see in the Old Testament is people gave out of gratitude and appreciation for how generous and kind God was. After Jesus comes, the motivation for giving, it, it, it just it springs up in value because you realize I was guilty before a holy, righteous God who has saved me through his own blood. So the, the motivation to give is really a thanksgiving back to God for his rescuing hand in our lives, taking us out of darkness and transferring us into the kingdom of light. How kind God is, how merciful he is. So we give out of gratitude. And we say thanks to God. What Danny was saying, of I, I carve it into my life. It's just a, this is a part of my life, is a, is a gratitude piece. But it's a faith move. And it's, it's courageous. It's, it's, it can be scary. And so I would encourage you, why not take the challenge that, that Danny took to begin to grow in this area of generosity? Jesus could have lifted this completely and said, look, you don't need to be generous and you don't need to be, uh, he, he could have wiped out the tithes that practice of the Old Testament. Here's a verse in Matthew 23, verse 23. Saying to some religious leaders who were faithful in their tithe, he said this, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees? And he calls this group hypocrites. He says, You're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. So the Pharisees were these religious leaders. They would count out the seeds from things. One goes to God, ten over here for us. And they were, they were so legalistic that they would go to the minute details and make sure they were getting those things right. But then look at what they failed to do. But you ignore. You do the tithe, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. The Pharisees were, they were not kind. They weren't merciful. Jesus said, you should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things. Jesus could have just wiped the tithe out, but he affirmed the practice. And if anything, Jesus actually ratcheted up commitment from what was previously taught. He would say things like, you've heard it said, but I say to you. And he would take all sorts of areas of life to a different level. In the area of finances, what Jesus did was he took it to a level of sacrifice. He wants people to go beyond the tithe, really, which is a final area of describing a giving practice, which is those who give beyond the tithe. They're just yielding more and more. So beyond the tenth, that through the... Years of your life, you would ask God to grow you to become even more generous than that. 11%, 12%, that you would just become a generous person. This would be a marker of your life. Sometimes it's a missionary passing through town. God stirs your heart and you say, we want, we want to give to that. Or sometimes it's a, a need that comes up and you just say, we've set aside money beyond the tithe to give to opportunities when people are in need and we're ready for it. Or sometimes it's an opportunity like what we're facing as a church and you're just... You're just thinking, I want to be a sacrificial person. Really, it's, it's moving beyond that. Look at the last two verses there, 2 Corinthians 9, 10, verses 10 and 11. Going back to the verse where it says, God loves a cheerful giver, he continues and he says, Now he who supplies the seed, God who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. When we give... God interacts with us. And for those who have a practice of extra generosity, God provides both the opportunities and then the resources that can pass through our lives to make a huge impact on into eternity. I want to invite our worship team up to the stage and we'll wrap up with a couple of next steps, really in the form of commitments to grow our generosity. And so I'd encourage you to consider if any of these commitments 
would describe maybe the step you sense God is wanting you to take. And if you're a, a college student, some of you, you'll be around here. You're going to maybe start your life in this, in this area. You'll find work here. Some of you are passing through this part of uh, the state, and you're going to end up going back home where you came from. But we really want to encourage you to begin this practice in your life. Begin this practice. God interacts with you, interacts with us in our finances. So here's some commitments to grow our generosity. Maybe number one would be to become a regular giver. If you've been sporadic, to, to commit to becoming regular in your giving. Two would be to take the tithe challenge and automate it. That would be to say, I've been regular, even proportional, but I've never given a tenth back to God. I want to make a commitment for three months or six months. That's really between you and God, but that's really you know, a good practical way to apply those passages of, of, that we've looked at this morning. When you automate things, it removes the emotional decision of what Danny was describing. You can automate through our website or through your bank, but it really is just saying, God, I want to surrender these things to you and trust you. I want to do this first, not, not off the leftovers, but I want to bring this to you first as a way to honor you. And then the third thing would be to give beyond the tithe. Maybe this is just where God is nudging you to get beyond that tenth. And maybe you've been doing that faithfully and God wants to, to call you forward to that. So if enough people in our church were able to make these types of commitments, we could continue to aggressively advance towards the things that God's given us a vision towards. And so we, let's commit this to him in prayer and ask him to speak to us. Father, we, we bring this before you. You love a cheerful giver. You, you, you don't want us to, to give out of manipulation or to be out of just feeling pressured or squeezed. And so, God, this is an issue between us and you. And we pray, Father, that we would not be afraid to wrestle through this, God. Money's a powerful area. Lord, Jesus said that if we're not careful, money will be our master and we can't serve two masters. So, God, help us to serve you. And to put money in the right place. Help us to keep our eyes and our focus right in regards to money. Thank you for the challenges that your word brings to us. And Lord, even as we see the offering baskets pass today, let it be a a constant reminder for us to just say thank you to you for your great generosity in our life, the way you've saved us. So Lord, anytime we're able to give back to you, it's a joy. And Father, we we pray that you'd give us courage to trust you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.